fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me, so you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. I don't really know what's happening here. I just I just see Pat on the camera like there was a gingerbread man, there was a was that a nativity sheep? Uh that was that was a nativity sheep. The nativity Okay. It gets reset. Like yeah. my kids each have their in their mind how it should be set. Yeah. And so it gets reset. So I'm just there you go. It's sitting right over here. There you go. There's a ginger man right over there. Okay. Gingerbread man. Do your kids try to sneak like other action figures in the, the into the uh, nativity scenes? No, we kind of put the K Bosch on that one. Okay. But uh successfully um uh put that one, but no, it's like there's discussion of where the sheep should go, where the angels should go. Um, to be honest, they set it up this year, so I have no idea where the three wise men are. Okay. Uh, they've got till the epiphany to remind me because, you know, they're not there yet, yet, mm-hmm. right? They're traveling. So there's some, I think there's one, I think there's one above me on a, sh- I think, right? I don't know. Okay. Up there, up there, there's one on a shelf. So they got the wise men all, you know, they're traveling. I think I tried to sneak in a uh, an Obi Wan Kenobi action figure as like a fourth wise man one year, and who shut it down? Um, I don't know. I think it just ended like I think I put it there, and then it just and magically ended up back where it was supposed to be down in the basement. Yeah. So I I don't know who moved it, but you know you, you do yeah. what you, you do what you can try to you know try to keep things fresh. Um, guys, it's nineteen ninety two. Happy New Year! Happy New Year, everybody! Happy New Year. <clears throat> so if you're listening to this, it's 2022. Don't let Pat's timeline of uh, it not being, you know, Christmas yet or anything like that confuse you. It is It, it is exactly. the new year. It but is when, the new year. But when will then be now is the most important question. This time around, however, this is our first episode of 1992. Uh, and our first episode for this new year is Lethal Weapon 3. Uh, We do spoil the movies we talk about, so this is your only warning. We are also members of the Scene Stealers Podcast Network. Uh, This episode is sponsored by them, and if you want to grab any celebrities for your uh, Comic-Con or event of some kind, head over to scenestealersglobal.com. Uh, and then after that, you can go visit our website, 30podcast.com. You can leave a rating for the show. You can leave us a voicemail. You can become a co-executive producer via Patreon and get bonus episodes and help out the show. Um, all that good stuff you can do at 30andthewordpodcast.com. Uh, I have with me this time around Patrick Canigala. Pat, how are you doing? I'm good, John. Doing fine. 
trying to find the mute button, not grab the mic like you taught me last year. Uh, so it's taking me fine time to get the mute button button. <laughs> the mute button, button. Oh boy. It's going to be one of those things. It's going to be a while till I can talk yellow leather, yellow leather, yellow leather. I couldn't, I I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if you were saying the word button or mutton. I didn't know if you were stuck back on the, <laughs> uh, the just, nativity sheet. I don't, the... I don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't know, but, but, um, happy new year. Super excited to talk about this movie and, uh, it's good to be in 1992. But, but let's talk about your big butt, Simone. <laughs> what year is that one? Oh, we already did that one. That was 85. No, but what year was it? 85, I think. It was 85. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, did any of you guys catch, I think this was in early December. Um, did you catch that Pee Wee Herman was actually guest DJing? on some radio station. I kept hearing ads for it. I did not. He was a no, guest no. DJ for like a week on some radio <laughs> station somewhere. I was oh, like, that's I, cool. I want to go back and find it at some point, but yeah. That's cool, man. That's yeah. cool. And he was kind of, I, I, from the ads, what it made it sound like was he was going to do this guest DJ thing in his Pee Wee Herman persona. Um, but it was uh-huh. going, yeah, but it was going to be like the type of music that, you know, Paul Rubens likes is it kind of what it made it sound like, but he was going to do it as Pee Wee Herman. So I'm like, all right, I'm busy now, but that's just weird enough. I'm going to have to go check that out later. Yeah. I wonder what he likes. It's in uh, Pee Wee Herman. A wacky character is uh, DJing a one-time radio show on member station KCRW in Santa Monica, California. Okay. That was what it was. Okay. Um, so it was back in November. I don't know when it was. Oh, happening. November. Okay. November 21st is when the article is so maybe it didn't take place. Okay. But, All right. Yeah. Well, the other uh, dulcet tones that you're hearing there is Dennis Matuch. Dennis, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? Happy New Year. Good. Happy New Year. Um. So let's see. This being the first episode, first episode of the year, first episode of the month, we're going to hop in the DeLorean and we're going to go back to January of 92. So this month in 92, some of our top news stories, uh, let's see, January 7th of 1992, AT&T releases the video telephone. Oh. Did did any of you happen to purchase a video telephone no. back in 1992? No. Anybody want to guess how much the video telephone would have cost you in 1992? Oh. 3000 7000 Oh, $7, You're going more? Lower than that. Okay. Um, Three? Uh, 2000 3000 Getting closer, fourteen uh, fourteen ninety nine. Fourteen ninety nine. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Special. I remember, like, I remember seeing advertisements for that when they brought out the video telephone, and I was like, "Star Wars will be happening soon." Mm-hmm. Like, we're at the point where Star Wars is going to happen. This is like two thousand one when they talk to each other on the video screens. Yeah, like, that's pretty cool. Why can't we just have cool Star Wars stuff like Tie Fighters and Millennium Falcons and holograms? Crazy. Yeah. yeah. And lightsabers. Lightsabers. It'd yep. be cool, man. Yep. Yeah, just like a phone with a little pop-up screen. I don't even remember that. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, things that are less amazing and a little more gross. On January 8th, let's see who remembers this one. January 8th, George H.W. Bush gets ill and yeah. vomits on the Japanese prime minister. Yeah, I remember when that happened. Yeah, I do. I remember that, and I remember Saturday Night Live making fun of it, too. Yeah, yeah. 
January 16th of 92, Eric Clapton performs for an episode of MTV's Unplugged at the Bray Film Studios in Windsor, England, recording won six Grammy Awards and became Clapton's best-selling album and the best-selling live album of all time. Well, there you go. And then January 30th, inventor Ray Kurzweil publishes his first book, The Age of Intelligent Machines, on artificial intelligence and predicts the popularity of the Internet. Mm-hmm. You know, because the Internet's this thing we use every once in a while. That's right. Uh, let's see, top sports for 92 and January 12th, the highest-scoring NCAA basketball game, the Troy State Trojans defeat the DeVry Hoyas, 258 to 149. There you go. Oh, like 258 to 149. The, the basketball game was basically just one of those arcade basketball games where they have like five, uh-huh. five basketballs and you just keep mm-hmm. shooting as much as you can. That, I think to get to that score, that's what you have to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, top book was Scarlet by Alexander Ripley. I feel like that's been the top book for the last, I don't know, half a year so far. Every time we've yeah. done these uh, this month in in whatever year. Top movies for January of 92 were Hook and The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Okay. All right. And then the top songs, Black and Black or White by Michael Jackson. And I think in the last week of January of 92, All for Love by Color Me Bad. Oh. All right. Our movie this time around is Lethal Weapon 3. It came out the 15th of May, 1992, rated R, with a runtime of one hour, 58 minutes, directed by Richard Donner, who passed away just last year in 2021. He also directed Superman, the movie, and Lady Hawk and the Goonies. Producers for this one, Richard Donner and Joel Silver. Uh, Donner produced Scrooged and Maverick. And Joel Silver apparently was able to foresee the mind of Pat Canigallo and produced every movie that Pat loves, such as The Matrix and Die Hard. Uh, there are, there is no more complete than that. I feel like you and Joel Silver could be best friends. I, 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 I could be a best friend. I, I could see based you on his movies. I could see you standing at his door, ringing the doorbell in like true Halloween trick or treating style. He opens up the door, and you're just like, "Hi." I'm Patrick Canigallo. I'm your density. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Writers for this one were Jeffrey Bohm, who died in 2000, uh, Robert Mark Kamen, or Kamen um, and then Shane Black. Bohm did Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Inner Space. Uh, Kamen did Taken and the Fifth Element, and Black wrote Iron Man 3 and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Cinematography mm-hmm. was done by Jan de Bont, who did Speed and Minority Report. Editors for this one were Robert Brown and Battle Davis, who died in 1994. Brown did Flatliners and A Man Apart. Davis did Frankie and Johnny and Awakenings. Um, hey, you know what, Pat? I bet if I was the editor of Flatliners, I bet I could do it in four minutes. I bet you I could do it four and a half. I bet I could edit that movie in four minutes and 52 seconds. I... Well, wait, if we're editing it, do we want to edit it faster? Is that the, did I go the wrong way? Yeah, you want to edit it faster. I know, but. <laughs> I, I went the wrong way. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's, we're trying to, I don't know. I messed it up, man. That Flatliners thing, though, I don't know. That it, was, that was weird. It was my understanding there would be no math. Part of the, my problem, again, with Flatliners was I spent half the movie thinking it was a comedy and that I just didn't get it. And I think that's what kind of threw me off my game. I still that's I I would love to go back and just be sitting with you in the room while you're watching it, thinking it's supposed to be a comedy. And I, well, I thought you, it, 
Do you, at what point, why did you think it was a comedy? I guess I'm sure I asked that question, but. Well, it was the comedy month. We were like, it was like, like July was the comedy month and this yeah. was the first one of August or something like that. Oh, okay. All right. And I was like, okay. Okay. This is not funny. And, well, yeah, about partway through when like, you know, people started dying, mm-hmm. like, well, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. But at first, like the premise is kind of funny, mm-hmm. you know? Let's kill ourselves to see what's out there. Like I, I mean, I, I was, I was kind of like that's kind of funny. I mean, I, that's, <laughs> when I felt bad, I thought it was a little dark. And then when they got into that whole thing, well, I'm gonna kill myself for five minutes to, you know. Uh-huh. And I was I, just, I'm like, just picturing you sitting there going, "Wow, John's <laughs> sense of humor is like really dark." Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like some dark stuff. Like, I mean, this is kind of funny. This is kind of funny. I mean, oh. these guys are kind of comical. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, "Oh, that's not funny at all." Yeah. Oh wait. It's not meant to be, and then it all dawned on me, and then it was like, oh, okay. Uh huh. It was a good movie. I mean, it was a really good movie. Yeah. I think. I think it was a good movie. I'm confused. I don't know why John picked Flatliners and Human Centipede. Yeah. Human Centipede for Comedy Month. That doesn't. Yeah. Happen. What What am I missing? I mean, you know. Oh boy, the good uh, old days. Apologies to the listeners. That is two two uh, episodes in a row where we have referenced Human Centipede, and I'm going to stop now. Hmm. Something you need to tell us. Uh, no. <laughs> no. I've actually never seen that movie and plan to never see that movie. And it's many, many. One of those where the description is, is plenty. Yes. And it's many sequels. Synopsis is, is yeah. Yeah. It's nauseating. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else we got here? Music was done by Eric Clapton, Michael Kamen, who died in 2003, and David Sanborn. Clapton did the music for The Story of Us. Kamen did the music for X-Men. Sanborn did the Lethal Weapon movies 2 through 4. Budget was $35 million. Box office was $321.7 million. Uh, Flickmetrics gives this one a 61%, and CinemaScore gives it an A-. Starring Mel Gibson as Martin Riggs, who's in Braveheart and Ransom. Danny Glover was Roger Murtaugh, uh, who is uh, getting too old for this stuff, but he was also in Predator 2 and Angels in the Outfield. Joe Pesci, okay, okay, okay. He was Leo Getz, and uh, he was, okay, in uh, Goodfellas and Raging Bull. Rene Russo was uh, Lorna Cole. I'm almost messed up her name there. Rene Russo was Lorna Cole. And uh, after talking with Bo today, possibly in his dreams. Um, oh, oh, but how could you not? I mean, holy buckets. <laughs> you know, move, a little heart goes pear pad at that one. That was the first thing. You know when, when I was talking with Bo earlier today, I, I happened to go see him over at the high school and I was talking to him. And, uh, and he said, Yeah, I, he said, I can't. Uh, well, he. Okay, I wasn't going to pick on him, but I am going to share this a little bit. Um, one of the things that we kind of, or I, I'm just going to say me, uh, I picked on Bo for is long, long time ago, in one of the first years of the podcast, we were talking about oh. uh, a Rocky movie, and mm-hmm. uh, Bo was making a comment about his favorite part was the wax on, wax off scene. Because we were recording, you know, Rocky and, and Karate Kid, you know, I, I think in the same recording session it was going to be two yeah. different episodes but it was same thing and he made a comment that we were talking we were all talking rocky and suddenly he says the wax on wax off scene was one of his favorite yeah and so for years i have made fun of him for that so uh thankfully he was not on the recording this time but he and i are talking and uh and i said yeah i'm i'm that's too bad you're gonna miss the the lethal weapon three one he's like i know like that was such a great movie like it was you know chris rock i thought he was a great part of that movie and and so he starts going into that and i was like and and this is why i'm not going to make fun of him for it because before i watched 
Lethal Weapon 3 for this episode. In the back of my mind, I was like, I think this is the one with Chris Rock. Isn't this where they introduced Chris Rock? And then yeah, I started watching yeah. it. I'm like, where's Chris Rock? He's not here. I don't know why Chris Rock isn't here. I thought he was in this movie. Um, so when Bo said that, I was like, no, no, I'm going to stop you right there. This is definitely not a wax on, wax off kind of thing. I thought the same thing, but, you know, Lethal Weapon, no. That's Lethal Weapon 4. He's like, well, then who did they introduce in Lethal Weapon 3? And I said, well, that's when they reduced Rene Russo. And it was like all of a sudden he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So would you would you like to call the love line and share more? He's like, no, no, just, yeah. Yeah. So. I, I, I share Bo's sentiment. When I think of Rene Russo in this movie, it's kind of like Wayne's World mm -hmm. when he sees uh, Tia Carrera. Mm -hmm. Dream Weaver. Mm -hmm. Audio, audio, audio. Yeah, yeah, I know. That the Dream Weaver song just comes uh -huh. on, and it just it's like slow mo over Nave Russo just beating everybody up. Did Monica Bellucci know about this, Pat? Pardon me? Did Monica Bellucci know about this, about your feelings? Oh, yeah. I mean, my eyes, yeah, yeah. I feel like Pat is sitting over here going, <sighs> I feel like Pat is sitting over here going, she makes me feel kind of funny, <laughs> kind of yeah. like when we used to climb the rope in gym class. <laughs> and without without jumping ahead too much. I thought that was such a fun part of the movie is you could tell like from the beginning, she kind of made Martin Riggs do that from the beginning too. Yeah. Like when he makes fun of her and she like crosses her, like those little things, he's just like, Oh, what, mm, what was that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's see. We, we got lost uh, uh, as, as may sometimes happen. We got lost. Dream in... Weaver. I'm going on mute. That, that's fine. I Oh, the video is off. I'm still singing. Uh, you're good. <laughs> All right. Now that we've distracted Pat with Rene Russo, uh, she played Lorna Cole. She was in the Thomas Crown Affair, which made me want to join the chess club. And uh, she was also in Thor. Stuart Wilson played Jack Travis. He was in Hot Fuzz and the Mask of Zorro. Steve Kahan, or Kahan, maybe however you say that, uh, was Captain Murphy. He was in Demolition Man, one of the other movies I'm looking forward to. Uh, uh, that's next year. I think he's 93. He was also in Timeline. Darlene Love played Trish Murtaugh. She was in The Christmas Chronicles Part 2 and Holiday Rush. Tracy Wolf played Rianne Murtaugh. She was in the Lethal Weapon movies. Damon Hyans played Nick Murtaugh. He was in The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Ebony Smith played Carrie Murtaugh. She was in Family Matters for several episodes. And Sven Ole Thorson played Henchman Number 2 because he was like henchman number two in every movie that's ever been made where you need a tall, burly henchman. Um, he was in Gladiator and The Running Man. Veteran police detective Roger Murtaugh is only days away from retiring when he and his tough partner Martin Riggs are roped into an important internal affairs case. Working with the beautiful, no-nonsense Sergeant Lorna Cole and aided by the shifty informant Leo Getz, Murtaugh and Riggs begin to close in on a black market weapons operation involving corrupt cop and arms dealer Jack Travis. I'm thinking we should cut the blue wire. Hey, wait! What? That's not what I'm thinking. What, do you think maybe the red? No, no. I'm, I'm thinking that his evening's in 42 seconds. We can go upstairs, wait for the bomb squad, have a cappuccino. I'm cutting the red wire, okay? Help! Oh. What? A minute ago, you said blue. <laughs> Nearly a catastrophe, huh? I'm cutting the wire. See? See? All done. Roger. Yeah. Grab the cat. Grab the 
Lethal Weapon 3. Hiya, Cubie. Hey, we're looking for a friend of yours named Travis. Yeah. I've never heard of him. Never heard Wrong answer, wrong answer. Wait, right. wait, I'll leave my car here and I'll come with you. No, you're not coming with us. Yes, I am. All right, I'll take my car then. No, you're yes, not. Yes, I am. I can't believe you did that. I got a spare in the trunk. I'll fix you. Tell my partners. I can't believe they did that. Remain silent. Freeze, please! I want you to see something, right? She has a gift. Watch this. Hey, you okay, honey? I just freeze! At least it's five of them, man. Yeah, I know. My girl. I never made it with another sergeant before. Hello, car 54, where are you? The only thing they do contribute is mayhem and chaos. Chaos and he's mayhem. You have the right to remain unconscious. Anything you say ain't gonna be much. Back to bed. Back to bed. All right. How does this movie make you feel, Pat? Great. It just makes me feel great. Joyous rapture. I just, I, geez, these movies are so fun. And I was watching them just like, oh my goodness, these are just fun. And I mean, yes, violence. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's some, especially in this one, there's some scenes and some stuff that, I mean, could easily be, painted in a different, more somber, serious note. But this is, this is like, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're movies in the vein of the eighties action movie and they're just, they're intended to be fun and they're fun. Yeah. Interesting. It's, you know, we always ask that question. Could a movie like this been made and done well today? You know, and I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we don't have senses of humor anymore. That's the thing, you know. Well, because you know, deal with you dealing with you know cops, you're dealing with yeah, violence, you're dealing with overreach, but then you're also dealing, you know, it's, it's it's interesting how it could have been. But yeah, I think you described it pretty well. I mean, it it, it doesn't. Yeah, you know, I'm sure we'll get into like where it maybe ranks with the three, and does it still work, and is it different, and how's it different, and you know, so all that. So yeah, it's it. I think you described it pretty good. I'm going to say, how does this movie make me feel? Um, I'm going to say that this movie makes me feel, I want to be careful how I say this. Um, This movie makes me feel like I want to go watch Lethal Weapon 1 and 2. Like, I like this one. I like this one. It's funny. I still like it. Like, it's, I like all the Lethal Weapon movies. I would just, I would happily sit back, spend an entire day, and watch one through four, and I would be very content, very happy, very entertained. Um, however, there are a few things in this one that 
I'm kind of getting into one of our three questions already about how I'd rank these. Um, this is I'm I'm already going to kind of spoil this one and say this is probably my least favorite of the Lethal Weapon movies. Now that's kind of like saying you know what's your least favorite piece of chocolate cake? I mean it's chocolate cake, so it's it's all going to be good. But this just happens to be my least favorite piece of chocolate cake. Um, yeah, for this one, just going a little bit more in depth on why it makes me want to go back and watch the first one is I feel like this one, some of the humor, like some of the parts that were so funny in the other ones, they just did not hit as funny for me in this one. I mean, this one's still got great action. It's still got, you know, Pat, you and I were talking about some stuff earlier today. It's got, you know, it's got the motorcycle chase. It's got the armored car chase. Um, you know, it's got the, the bomb diffusing scene at the beginning, uh, it's got the whole thing at the end where they're burning down all the houses and, you know, you're you're uh, you're lighting the truck up by shooting your automatic weapon into the puddle of gasoline. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's got all those great parts and I love all those great parts. And it's a fun movie. At no point in time am I ever bored with this movie or not entertained by this movie. But um, it is. I think there's a couple things about this one that bother me more than in any of the other ones. Um, Leo Getz, I, there are very few times in this one where I think he's actually funny. Um, he just Really? Kinda, yeah, he just kind of gets on my nerves in this one. Okay. Like, I thought he was funny in the others, but I didn't, for some reason in this one, he just, he just doesn't seem as funny. I'm not laughing okay. out loud like I would in some of the other ones. Some of the banter back and forth between Riggs and Murtaugh it just doesn't quite hit for me the way it does in the other movies. Um, I think that I think that this one in particular, you know, you, you go back and look at the original Lethal Weapon, and I don't think I would call the original Lethal Weapon a comedy. You know, it's an action movie, but it's got the witty banter. It's got, you know, the little, you know, the, the quippy one-liners. It's got that kind of stuff, but it's not a comedy movie. And I feel like this is the one where they kind of took the comedy too far. Like it became this is much more a comedy movie that just happens to be a movie with cops, you know, trying to figure out this whole conspiracy that's going on within the department and, and all that. Um, so for me, I, my two biggest things, and then we can get into like talking more about the, the plot of the movie and everything else. Probably my two biggest things is I felt like the comedy was trying too hard in this one and taking over where it probably shouldn't have. And I just, I didn't like the villain. Like I thought he was very forgettable. And I, mm -hmm. and I remember hearing, um, actually I think it was uh, Siskel and Ebert. I think I had watched a video of their review of this movie. And that was the point that Siskel was making was the strength. When you look at an action movie, the strength of the action movie most times is in its villain. And so if you don't have a good compelling villain, then you know, your action movie is going to falter for it. And this one, compared to the other Lethal Weapon movies, it's, I mean, totally, totally forgettable villain. <clears throat> so, so I, I like I said, I enjoy the movie. I, I love the movie. I will watch the movie. I like all the Lethal Weapon movies, but this one for me is probably my least favorite, and those are my reasons why, is I think they tried too hard with the comedy, um, you know, more of it than there needed to be, sacrificing the serious part of the plot um and then the villain just he was not he was the the most forgettable of lethal weapon villains i would yeah 
I would probably agree. Yeah, and, and I think both. It's one of those things where I think two things can be right or two things can be wrong. I think whatever you want, however you want to look at it. But and I think that's a consensus that this one lacks any character development. It lacks um, a good villain. It lacks, and it's not that he's a bad villain. He's just not a good villain, like a great villain. Like it matter, like you said, I had actually when I was rewatching this. I was confusing it with the villain in the second because I remember the second villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And therefore I was like, wait, who is the villain in the third one? And I go, oh, okay, now, all right. Yeah, it's this guy. Yeah. And I was, I was watching, I'm like, wait, does this guy get killed early on? And I'm like, no, actually, he's the villain throughout the whole film. Like, like that, that piece was one of the most forgettable things, having not seen this film probably from in its entirety back in the 90s. It was probably the last time I saw this all the way through was sometime early 90s. Like I saw this in 92, obviously. This might have been a theater one for us. I believe it was. Um, and then probably saw it on HBO a couple times, maybe, you know, throughout the 90s. But yeah, the villain was the weaker part. But and it's, it's relying on the formula. So it's very formula sort of, you know, it's got your, you know, like you said, your bomb scene at the beginning. It's got lots of action. It's got the humor. I agree. There's some things where they went a little bit too much on the humor. Um, but at the same time, it's a fun movie. And like you said, you know, if you like cake or chocolate cake, it's like, okay, well, this cake is better than that cake, but it's still chocolate cake. So, yeah, it's, 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 there's some things I really like that they did. And then there's, like you said, there's, there's definitely uh, the, um, Joe Pesci's character. You don't really need him, but I think he was such a big hit in number two. You had to bring him back in some sort of way, and how could you bring him back? Oh, as an informant? Um, you know, yeah, it, it, it's it's filmed well, and I like, in some ways, I like some of the acting better than, well, I would say some of the acting, I like some of it better than I do like the other. It's it's a weird movie, though, in terms of, like, trying to, like, break it down. I was trying to, because I'm, like, like exactly where you're at, where there's things that bother me about it, but it's but still fun watching. So I, And sometimes I have it more fun than watching the first one. So to me, two is my, you know, we'll get to that question later, but I, I think two is my favorite, and... I think one was still finding itself. Three had found itself and just repeated itself and resorted to, you know, like more action, more action and more funny stuff. And two was kind of that, that Empire Strikes Back sort of feel for me. Mm-hmm. Well, this this might be where, where some of this comes in, too, because two, I, I mean, one, I might say, well, let's see. I'm probably going to say two is my favorite. Well, we're going to rank these later for the three questions, but um, great. Yeah. So, but one and three are similar close because there's things I love a lot. So it was hard for me to decide between which was the second one. Yeah. And there's I, things that when I watched one, I wasn't, I'm not going to say I wasn't entertained. I was, I still loved it, but it's, there's so much. This one, you don't get a break. It kind of keeps going. Yeah. There's never a part where there's a lull or anything like that, I feel like. And then you got Rene, you know, Rene Russo in this one is mm-hmm. strong plus. Yeah. So I said, there's a mixed bag of all, but it's a weird, you know. Yeah, so we I, don't... I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if Pat, this is like you and I were talking earlier today. I wonder if this is kind of along the lines of you said this one was your gateway into the rest of the franchise. Yeah. And for me, yeah. my, the first one I saw was Lethal Weapon 2. Like that was my first entry into Lethal Weapon movies. So I, for me, I mean, that, usually tends to be when I think of favorite lethal weapon movies, it's probably going to be two. 
Same for right. me. I saw, I saw one, two, three, all in a row. So I'm like in a proper order. I think I'm the old, I'm the old because I'm the oldest person there, obviously. And, uh, but right. yeah, seeing seeing one, two, three, it was like, you know, like when you watch Star Wars, the original Star Wars, the, like we're talking like you know the the New Hope and yeah. Empire and that. There's a certain sort of weird, like like everything in like I feel like Return of the Jedi is so polished. And the characters, the film, everything looks like good, clear quality, and they're like just everything. And this has that. And the New Hope has, when you watched it, it was amazing. But there's also some limitations there, and there's some not cheesy acting, but obviously some some spots where it's like oh, a little bit, you know. Um, and I think the same thing. It's sort of like they were developing itself, and one and two are more new and interesting, but taking chances. And three didn't take any chances; it just relied on formula. Not saying Jedi necessarily did that, but it just has a polished look at it. That I don't know. Just like they're doing it, like the action scenes are, you know, exciting action scenes. I'm like, I think and they, I don't know. They tr- they transition into the action scenes, mm-hmm. kind of in neat ways too. In the third one, like it's it's um it it'll be all of a sudden you'll get a comedic scene like when the guy's jaywalking and all of a sudden like another thing unfolds right he's getting the um you know he's standing there while raj runs into the store and he sees brianne like getting jumped Uh, you know and it's like so it's interesting how they transition like from nothing like into one of those scenes, you know, at the beginning, I think that's, that's pretty cool. Um, Cause later on, then they're going to things that are where they're like rolling up on a place where they know the bad guys will be there. Right. Yeah. But like at the beginning of the movie, it was like, bam, we're into an action scene. They just kind of fall into it. Yeah. And but I did, think, but did or, they know? Or, or, so actually, I'm curious, I'm curious, curious about that though. Did they know there, that was another thing I kept thinking of is, wow, these guys just happen to be in the right place at the right time a lot. And I, right. I mean, it's a movie, it's a fictional movie, so that's fine. Um, but you know, like when they were the traffic cops, it just happened to be that everything's going on in front of them. Um, right. And then later on, I, and maybe I just am remembering this wrong, um, when they're at the food truck and he's making the burger and everything else, did they know that there was going to be, did they know that they were going to see that red sports car and get in the middle of that shootout and everything else? Or did they just happen to see it go by? I don't know. Mm-hmm. There, there seemed to be several times where I was like, this is like, this movie is filled with coincidences. Like the way, the okay. way the movie is made is I'm not sure it would even work unless you had all these massive coincidences that, Oh look, they just happen to be, uh, you well, know, cause what, what, what city are they in? Are they Los Angeles? Yeah. 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 Like Los Angeles, I think is a much bigger city. I, I don't know that you're going to just happen upon all these crimes just because you happen to be there, you know, and Joe Pesci happens to know that guy. Yeah. Mm. Remember seeing him somewhere. Yeah, you know, which which again is fine. I mean, it's it's a Lethal Weapon you're, movie. You're I'm not expecting it to be. It's like a roller coaster. You know, yeah. you're going at, you're going to an amusement park. You're not looking for a substance. And I don't necessarily think they had to deliver the character development because I know that was always a big criticism from anything that I had seen or heard on it. A lot of people criticize like, oh, it doesn't have any development of character. And I'm like going, but they had one and two to do that. We already know who they are. We're they're like family to us already. And they're like family to each other. Right. To be, need to you know the only thing you're really playing on is like the you know could you have gotten more serious with that whole you know seven days left 
which they bring up enough, but is there more of a heart? To, and I in the boat scene tackles that a bit. Yeah. And they almost flip it on the head. Roger's the one that's uh, on the ragged edge. Yeah. Riggs is the one that's kind of like. There's some topical you know, things. He ends up shooting some young kid at somebody his yeah. son knows. You know, it brings up questions of guns and about, you know, yeah. the, the, what, what police go through, what society is dealing with, what the young people who are, have lost their way, you know, like it does. And, so, so the question is because it, it tiptoes into the, those waters a little bit, should it have gone more serious and really explored them? Or is it enough to keep the action and humor and then just touch on those things a little bit so you're getting a little bit of everything? I mean, yeah. some people might fault it for that. Some people might say that that's the best, you know, that's what they liked about it. So, Well, and I, I would be interested to see what the kind of the reviews of the time were saying because, you know, we just watched Boys in the Hood last year. Um, and so now, now this, and is it kind of a, hey, ripped from the headlines, this is kind of what's, getting out there now into the mainstream. So we're going to incorporate it into our action movie. Um, well, I don't think it completely takes a stand either. No. Well, and I, I don't even think it, like, I, even, I, even the family of the, the kid who gets killed, who's the friend of his son, you know, the woman slaps him, but then the father says, you get the guy who put the guy, you know, like, like they yeah. weren't really against him. It's like the mom was just grieving. So she slaps him, she's feeling the pain of that. But then at the same time, the dad's kind of got that ability to say, you get the man who put the gun in my, I don't, you know, like, I don't blame you. You put the, the man who put the gun in my son's hands type of thing. You know, there's like that. And even the son says, I don't, the son says, I don't blame you. I think is the line when he's shaving. Right. And he goes, dad, I don't blame you. I blame, uh, I forget who the, who the character was. He got shot. Um, but anyway, he blamed his friend, you know, like, and, and again, we're dealing with an action movie where you can have a little bit of that in, but yeah. like we need to get back to the action piece. Exactly. Right. And I mean, that's kind of what you see is it's, it's them taking action. And cause there's a definite bad guy that they're going after, right? Yeah. Like they're not, they're not, you know, they're not going to delve into some of the issues uh, that, that that you saw in like boys in the hood or you know some of the other films like that they're not going to start rush they're not going to start what was that that crash you know where it's getting into the whole series and not that crash, right thing like where it's going to explore these topics in very deep thought-provoking ways it's just going to touch on them because they're part of that reality they would have to be but we're not going to dive in and we want to keep this a fun action film but we also want right. to those moments exist so i think it tries to do everything and there therefore some might argue that that's the enjoyment of it you get a little bit of everything but some people might then say from a critical standpoint that that's the weakness is that it doesn't take a stand or choose to do one become more serious or become just comedy like what are you like you know what what is it how would you you know what genre is this is it a comedy is it action or yeah or is it drama yeah, and that doesn't. It doesn't. A little bit of both. I mean, yeah, and 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 that's okay. I guess for me, my point be, but it does it come off as a little disappointing for some people? Yes, if you wanted it to be one of those three. But if you're okay with it being a touch of those three, then it, it works and it's fun and you know. Yeah. See, and I, I like, like I said, I mean, I as an action movie, I think it's pretty incredible. I mean, you get these yeah. incredible chases you get the humor that works and whether it's a comedy or not, it's almost like watching the Marvel stuff. The humor works in those movies. 
even though they're not comedies. Like the humor works in this series. Um, you get the action sequences. The Rene Russo character, yeah. a strong, a strong female uh, co-star or whatever. I mean, you know, it it really, like I said, that character really works. The one I've ever seen that, you know, obviously. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Makes a, it makes you think back to Jaws, but at the same time now with a romantic twist, it's almost like a, a what would be like a game of strip, strip poker almost happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and I'm just going to real quick for the action pieces, quick, uh, a little, I don't want to say hidden gem, but I think I will, for lack of a better term, a little hidden gem of a motorcycle chase. I mean, I don't think of lethal weapon three as a motorcycle movie, but you know, when he hops on the, the, the police bike, which that, I mean, that's just funny. He's just like, police, I need to take your bike. Oh, are you kidding me? This is bull, man. Hey man, I'm taking your bike. Call it in and give me your clips too. I mean, so he just basically runs up to the guy. I'm taking your bike. I'm taking your magazines for my sidearm. And he, I mean, that's just total action movie fair, but the shot where he takes off on that bike and accelerates up the road. That's a, that's a really uh, uh, powerful is the wrong word. It's a, kinetic shot i mean it's like there's a you know it, it's it's a powerful shot and then when he comes on the road and he he turns across like he, the, his turn on the bike the camera's looking at it and he's coming at you and he turns onto the road and and he's got the bike leaned way over and so i mean it's it's an exciting it's an exciting motorcycle chase you know the duck down where the windshield comes off that's you know fun lethal weapon kind of stuffish kind of thing but you got some pretty cool uh, you got some pretty cool things. So anyways, I think the action pieces are good, you know, and, and I mean, you know, like, like I said, the mainstream culture, um, no, I, w- I want to take that back. I don't want to say mainstream, but I mean, I think like, you know, the, the other issues, the gang violence thing was becoming more known. Um, I'll say it this way, more known in communities that didn't necessarily deal with it on a daily basis. Um, you know, that, that I, th- I think we were becoming more conscious of that. And like I said, either through the music of the time, um, or the movies of the time, or just people talking about it, you know, like that thing. Um, but you also had the idea of the, the armor piercing bullets. Cause wasn't that when the, um, there was a, was it Ice T? Ice T had a song about that. Yeah, the cop killers. And the- yeah, yeah, and so that whole thing was going out, and I mean, you know, so volatile times back there. I mean, again, I'm uh, 21 at the time, and I remember this movie coming out, and, and I wonder if part of the reason, you know, I wonder if the script got changed. I wonder if they toned it down. I wonder if they, you know, had to do because this was also after Rodney King and. You know, yeah. Rodney King, I believe, was 91, 90 or 91. So, you know, they had to be probably... You have, to, you have to toe the line when you're yeah. doing an so action movie. Yeah, maybe that's why it didn't have that super serious tone, so that it didn't get mistaken for making some statement that it didn't want to make right. or wasn't willing to make at the right. time. I don't right. know. You know, it'd be interesting to hear what the thought process was or if any of those... I believe the riots were... Were they 91? The LA riots. Yes. I can look that. I mean, yeah. March, March of 91. That's when the riots were. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cause I thought that it was all within that year. I know Rodney King gets pulled over that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you know, police brutality over, overreaching. Um, 
I'm sure they had to be careful. And, you know, and that's sometimes that's just like in 24, I think of that, like with, uh, with, um, the series 24, mm-hmm. it, sometimes the good guys can feel or seem like the bad guys in order to catch the other bad guys. And therefore to become, you know, I don't know, you know, but like I, him, beating up the, him beating up even the director, <laughs> you know, like, like it's a, it's a funny scene, but at the same time in reality, that guy doesn't it, give her that job. That guy's suing his ass. Yeah. It, it, it does kind of go clang. Right. I mean, it does. Well, and like anything, you know, and I, and again, I'm sure there's some people that would maybe object to this, but I think, well, honestly, I think the guys, um, the guys on the friendly fire podcast, one of them, uh, uh, was it Adam Pranica said it that, Hey, I, I think we can enjoy movies and love movies, but I think we owe it to look at them with a critical eye yeah. and to, you know, to analyze, Hey, how does this sit? What's the message, you know? And I, I think that scene's a hilarious scene where he's running. It's a great scene. It's, it's, and then she gets, these fires her and it's like, there should have, you know, was there a better solution to her either getting her job? Right. No, then him literally physically assaulting the guy to get the job back. Cause then that makes yeah. sense. But, but I mean, force it back in and, you know, and it, it sort of, that was a scene that kind of like was yeah. funny. But then that part kind of ruined it a little bit where I'm thinking, uh, and I know it's funny, but at the same time, like you're always thinking like, here's the bad rap on police is like, they're using their power to influence right. bully somebody. And that's in case what he does here, he basically beats the guy up to get him. <laughs> And, and again, it's, it's and presenting his it, eye and like, you know, I'm doing the yeah. three thing, but at the but same time, did the guy have a bruised eye? Did the guy have, and here's what, and here's the point with that. Again, they present it too. And this, this could be the thing that you could fall on either side of the coin. Oh, it's just harmless action. Yeah. But then, okay. What is that? When you talk about desensitizing people, then you suddenly think, oh, well, the consequences, you know, I mean, there are no consequences of that. I mean, he slugs the guy in the face, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, you're going to, I'm like, the sinner thing I saw that I'd be thinking this guy's a I was, I was just about to say, Dennis, you've been punched in the face a lot, but I mean, like you're a boxer, right? You're a fighter. So, you know, I mean, you get slugged in the face. I mean, it's, it's not like, Oh, now we're good. You know, I, yeah. and again, and I, I, and again, I don't, I don't want to pass, judgment and say, Oh, well, you know, cause I know, cause then you got the other thing, then you got the cancel culture thing. Yeah. And where did we go with that? But I think you can, I think but it's I think, good. Like, I guess that scene like that, like, again, I think that shows where it's, it's interesting because the beginning of that scene and what actually happens and finding out that it's a film set and she's filming a thing. And it's, it's like hilarious and you're laughing. And then it kind of ruined it because they tried for more comedy with him getting it back that way. And that fell flat. Kind of like what John was getting to is there certain ones that fell flat. And I remember thinking as I watched it, that that scene fell flat. It was like, you just did something really good. And then you kind of ruined it. Just put a little well, and I mean, even like the jaywalking scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was funny. Until he pulled a gun in his face. <laughs> Until. Yeah. Cause, and, but they make it, but then that's the thing is, 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 you know, when you're in the action world, it's like, you know, well, and they talk about this in last action hero, which we'll talk about. And I don't want to totally spoil last action hero. So there's your thing, but last action hero. Okay. You've been forewarned. We got to get to a place where every gunshot wound is a flesh wound and everything is this, you know, I mean, and so it's like, you can kind of paint that narrative and, yeah, that's where 
you know, I think got to be careful. I, I think we just got to be careful. Like, and it's funny, you know, my son is getting to the age that, you know, he might be getting into some of these movies. Um, but honestly, it's funny. Like um, he has like very little interest in real life by real life, like live action kind of things, unless it's like Jurassic park. He loves Jurassic park, Jurassic world, all that. But you know, like we watched Raiders of the Lost Ark and Dominic's like, wow, dad, this is, this is really violent. And he's like, uh, I don't know if I'm liking this. And I'm like, oh, it's okay, man. Do you want to shut it off? He goes, no, let's keep watching. And like, uh, and he finally, at one point he looked over and, and Dennis, it, like your line of live your life, like your kid is going to be watching and asking, you know, standing you have a, yeah. it's standing right next to you. Future son or daughter is, is right next to you. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and Dominic looked over and goes, why are you enjoying this? About Raiders. And I mean, I'm just like, well, yeah, well, that's, well, and that was my comeback was, well, Indiana Jones is, I think he's pretty cool. And Dominic's like, yeah, but I mean, do you enjoy that? You know? And it's kind of like, honey, uh, do, we, do we still have those adoption papers we started <laughs> to draw up? <laughs> well, and in all fairness, like, and then it made me say like, okay, so what I'm, I'm basically telling my son, like, you know, and I believe it like violence isn't necessarily the answer and, you know, and all this kind of thing. But then now we're watching this and then it's sort of like, well, yeah, but I mean, okay. So they're the bad guys and they're the good guy, you know, like, so there's ways to, but then am I justified? You know, like it gets into all those questions, which well, yeah, that's it's kind of a so, fiction. Pardon me. Wait till you watch Pulp Fiction with them. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. But anyways, well, I'm getting, watches, I'm, uh, wait till John watches, um, um, human centipede with, <laughs> yeah, I know. Nope. It's no. like the time you came in after watching Reservoir Dogs yeah, and just you like this? <laughs> you're watching Reservoir Dogs and you're just like, man, I didn't remember all the F words and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I thought it was just violence. Let's get back to, you know, Walking Dead. Then we'll be in safe territory. But uh, do you know, any- so Pat, do you think when he gets to Temple of Doom, will he be interested in the racial tensions in that movie? <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. Yeah, I'm okay. sure he will be. Um well, and it's a, it's a, you know, and like you said, some of these films back then, and, and we're going even from the 70s, 80s, 90s, there was definitely a very pro-police, you know, get the bad guy at all cost um, right. type of thing that even if you bend the rules, it's the greater good to do what you need to do. Um, right. You know, it always makes me think of the speech from from A uh, Few Good Men, is it right? Yeah. With, mm-hmm. uh, with um, Jack, you know, mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson and... You know, you need me on that wall. You like, you can, you can sleep at night because of the freedoms I provide. But then, you know, like that whole, that whole speech has like, while it indicts him and basically does him in at the same time, there's some elements of some truth to that, that it's an ugly business. And does it have to be, or is it, is that the realities? Are we naive to not think it is? I mean, you know, when Jack Bauer saves the world because he tortured a guy, is that okay? Or is it better to not torture the guy and have everyone else die, you know, because he doesn't stop the threat? I mean, there's those big questions that get arise. And I think during the 70s, 80s, and 90s, society was clearly on the way on the on the side of the police and that you and the authorities and the army or whoever's in charge to do what you got to do to get the bad guy. And I think mm-hmm. now we have this lens of really examining that and how far can that go. And is that right? And what happens when they're wrong? Cause they could be wrong. They're not always right about who the bad guy is and what's the ramifications for that. So we have all those 
thoughts and your, your kids are going to have those thoughts, I think, in their heads more than we did growing up because we were part of that 70s, 80s, 90s. Your dad, I mean, my dad at least felt, you know, a lot of the same way. And, you know, it was like Dirty Harry. I mean, Dirty Harry was Dirty yeah. Harry. Yeah. And like he said, I do the dirty jobs that no one else wants to do because someone has to do them because that's life and that's reality and that's how it is on the streets. Yeah. It was kind of that message. And you, you recognize that and you recognize that there is some truth in that. But is that something we want to celebrate or is that something you just want to quietly, more quietly acknowledge and to a certain degree you're thankful for it, but at a certain time you're bothered by the fact that that's the way it has to be sometimes or does it, you know, I don't know. So here's here's something I thought would have been really interesting for this movie is particularly the scenes you get to where uh, Murtaugh has has shot that kid that was his son's friend. And I'm watching it this time. Of course, I'm watching it again. I mean, I've seen this movie a bunch of times. I'm watching it again in 2021, 2022. And that scene in particular, especially how he starts to get like real torn up over the fact that, you know, he has shot not only a kid, but he shot his son's friend. And in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, can you imagine if this movie had you know, keep the balance, keep the balance of some of the humor, but but bring in that serious storyline. Because I think sometimes even when you've got a serious storyline, you've still got to put some humor in there to, you know, right. kind of liven things up a little bit. Right. Um, yeah. You know, or, or couch some of it so people don't feel maybe as uncomfortable and they can still connect with or at least interact with the, the message in some way. I wonder if, like, what if for a movie in 1992 – what if they had taken that and taken that story further than they actually did? You know, him mm-hmm. really being torn up about having shot a kid and his dad's comments about get the guy who put the gun in the hand of my son, you know, yeah. and talk more about through the lens of the movie. All right. Well, how easy was it or who put the gun in the kid's hand? And, you know, I think there could have been other conversations that you opened up or sparked or whatever there. And it just, they didn't take it very far. Like it, you, you did see him a little bit torn up about it, but it just they get on the boat where he's drinking, you know, and he's like, it's yeah. a baby and like, you didn't do this. And then, and that gets pretty intense on the boat with those two screaming at each other. And then it gets funny, yeah. you know, so it's yeah. like, there's never enough serious. It, they were literally always kind of almost saying like, okay, we had two minutes of serious. We got mm-hmm. two minutes of funny coming up. Right. We got two minutes of serious. We got two minutes. Like we got to keep it balanced. Well, and even things, the, the best opportunity for that being seriously, you know, like exploring, what did it do? Like, and they do convey that to a certain degree. And I think it's pretty intense and pretty, pretty powerful. In my opinion, when, when, like, when, you know, when, um, uh, Riggs gets like emotional about like how his retirement's affecting him and, you know, and it really, all this stuff starts to part and they're like literally slugging at each other and hitting each other. And it's like, he's sitting there in tears. Cause if I just killed the baby and you don't know, like, you're not the one who did, you know, you've killed bad guys, but I just killed a kid. Like, you don't get it. Like you don't understand. And then he's like, you like, how do you say that to me? Like, because they both have all this kind of pain, which police officers do. And, and, you know, um, I mean, and Riggs, Riggs was also, and it then goes into, you know, Hey, like I, I, I slept with somebody I shouldn't, you know, like, and yeah. then and they, they finished with the comedy where maybe you could have just kept that scene serious and not finished with comedy. I don't know, but it, but it literally feels like they're almost saying, all right, watch the clock. Okay, we've got enough of serious. Got to throw in some comedy now, you know. And maybe it would have been nice to sometimes finish a scene where you didn't have the comedy. Mm-hmm. 
I wonder where they yeah. were. Well, and and balance out because I mean it's a movie. The movie is called Lethal Weapon, and in all these yeah. movies, you've got you know you're spraying bullets everywhere. But you also, I mean, it, I felt like there were certain portions of it, especially when you got to the point of them finding out that these bullets were the armor piercing, the cop killers. And I, I, part of me was like, all right, so what's what am I supposed to be I, without it being too preachy? What am I supposed to get from this? Am I I'm supposed to be terrified that these type of things exist and could threaten police officers mm-hmm. who are who are defending us and doing you know what needs to be done for that? But at the same time, it's happening in a movie where and there were scenes when the when the buildings were burning down at the end. And I almost laughed at those, even though that I don't know that it was meant to be funny, that people running away from the fire were just like firing their gun up in the air, not doing anything. You know, just like there were guys running and just shooting their guns up in the sky. And I'm like, what's the point of firing bullets there? Like, it's almost comical that that's happening. I'm like, so what is my message here? We guns got in the hands of kids that shouldn't have had them there are bullets that are too dangerous to be on the streets that are now on the streets and yet the movie and and i'm a, i don't want to i don't want to say i'm not for action movies where you just like you know fire a million bullets you know at your enemy i'm fine with those i i watch those all the time but i just was like i can't tell if the movie is trying to get me to think about something while couching it in humor and all these other things. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's guilty of the things that it wants me to think about. If that makes any it, sense. Yeah. Or it's just kind of a, kind of a rip from the headline storyline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and then you see, you know, you do see the young cop Edwards gets killed. He looks up to yeah. him and, you know, yeah. and he a little comment about the, you know, be careful. Like he's a cop killer bullets, you know, whatever. And, and then he ends up, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard, and and like I said, I mean, I enjoy action movies, I enjoy watching these, but I, I just think as we go and as we age and as we, you know, as the movies age, I think you got to have the open mind for someone that's going to say, why do you find this funny? Why do you find this entertaining? What element do you like, you know, yeah. and realize that you know, just there could be someone with a completely different set of life experiences next to you that might not find it entertaining or funny or do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, it's hard. Well, there's questions that you, they have for you and I, and I get that. And it's like sometimes trying to explain that is, is makes us think too. And then, you know, I always sometimes flip around. I know it's a video game, but like sometimes you come back and say, well, what makes it so fun for you to play, you know, um, uh, Call of Duty or or Grand Theft Auto or any of those things that kids will often play nowadays. They're like your you know first person shooter and mm-hmm. um, yeah. What, why is that entertaining? You're just shooting. Yeah, uh, like interesting to see. Well, it's just a video game. You, but you find it entertaining though. Yeah, like my my kids won't <laughs> won't be playing it. Yeah. Well, just wait a minute. I had, I, bet I, I got into Call of Duty and stuff, but um, yeah, no, I no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I pulled out, I pulled off Mortal Kombat, and I put the blood code in for Sega. I, we had retro game day, and yeah. I'm sitting there playing it, and they're like, "Oh, what did you just do?" I said, "Well, I just, I pulled his head off." Why did you do that? Well, I defeated him. Oh man, and they were they were Finish on Zoom him. with their cousins, 
and then and they were like and all of a sudden we heard what what happened and what did uncle patrick do oh he's pulling people's heads off by their spinal cords oh and they were all like freaking out you know and it's funny i'm just like okay my parents had the same reaction when i play that my kids have the same reaction <laughs> clearly clearly i'm out of step no but i mean I, I get what you're saying it's you know it's uh it it, it does not take away you know, like, I'm not going to suddenly say this is fun. You know, I, I did my, what's my reaction. It's a fun movie. But when you get past that superficial level, yeah. there's, there's some other stuff there. And, and jumping back to the comment that the, the, the father of the um, person that lost their life or the, the, the kid that lost his life, get the man that put the gun in their hands. I mean, even, I mean, I, I get that. And yeah, that expands it like, okay, well, we can't just have the band-aid fix, but even that idea, okay, what's the situation in society that is allowing for the gangs and the warfare and like the questions asked in uh, the end of boys in the hood, right? The, the, you know, this many um, <clears throat> uh, young African American males will be killed by gun violence. And here's the stat, you know, and do you get what I'm saying? Like, even that it's like, yeah, we, we let's get the guns out, out of, out of their hands. Is that going to solve all the societal problems? And I mean, I'll throw this out there too. Let's get the guns out of their hands. I mean, you know, that gets into the whole second amendment debate and that whole thing, you know, which I'm not, you know, saying, I'm not saying one thing or the other on that, but it's sort of like, why are, why are those things even available? Do you get what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, uh, I, I just, I don't know that this movie is necessarily addressing those things. Maybe this movie is just introducing those things, you know, Maybe it, maybe it knows its audience and it's like, okay, they know the audience that's coming in here just wants to have, you know, I just want to have see this awesome movie, but then they're just putting those little things in there that make you question a little bit. Right. It's, it's, kinda, it's kind of bringing them up or tackling them, but in a more superficial manner versus right. Right. You no, know, it doesn't, you know, dealing with drugs the way traffic deals with drugs, you know? Right. With, yeah. It's like, you know, the gangs and everything else, the way boys in the hood deal. Yeah. You're not, you're just not dealing with it at that deep of a level, but because your, your film is set in that world, you have to touch on it, but they can tread carefully and don't go too deep and don't commit to anything. Right. So that can, for somebody maybe watching it today, I think maybe that could leave them like wanting more, like you should have said more, you should have done more instead mm -hmm. of almost making it comedy and fun and condoning and, you know, but, but at the same time, again, me growing up in that time period, I thoroughly enjoyed the film watching it. And you're pulling for the characters and you've known them for two films. You know, you 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 yep. know there's pain behind them and you know that they're not perfect. And you know, I remember I kept asking in the beginning of this one, I'm like, dude, he's got seven days left. Why are you mm -hmm. making him go for a bot? Like and, and that's comedy to a degree of like the funniness, but on a serious level, going, Man, if you care for this guy, you wouldn't be putting him at such risk. But then is it a subliminal sort of like he wants this partnership and it's that's he has nothing else? 
you know, in his life really, and it's his family and he wants this partnership to continue. So therefore maybe the excitement of the job is going to keep, you know, Murtaugh going. And I, like, you know, it's almost like he's not thinking, or is that maybe how he's just coping with him having seven days mm-hmm. left? You know, is there a death wish again with him, which has always seemed like he had, you know, in all the films <laughs> to a certain degree, his own little death, watch, which they explored more seriously in two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. do where they explore it, explore it more seriously. Um, you know, and here they don't completely do that. You just touch on it like s- slightly on that boat with some things, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And uh, in terms of, it was a fun film to watch back then. I rewatched it. Um, I would, you know, again rank it possibly second, but maybe a third. You know, number one being two for me and. Well, we'll go. That's that's one of our three questions. So we can yeah. we'll get into that here in a second. I did want to bring up. I I had pulled this up a little bit earlier. Um, there was an article that I found talking about a study that was done in 2013 by the International Communication Association, and they wanted to find out why people were so attracted to movies that promised quote bloodshed, gore, and violence. And it was kind of a joint effort between the University of Augsburg in Germany and the University of Wisconsin Madison to try to understand like why people are attracted, even people that would be politically against killing and guns and all these other things. Like sometimes those people tend to be the ones that enjoy watching movies with violence and bloodshed and gore even more than others. And so they did the study to try to find out, they're like, well, is it, you know, are, are these target audiences doing this because they want to, you know, they secretly want to recreate the violence or are there other reasons for doing this? So, um, so they did this study and it said, uh, said here in this article, um, contrary to a previous study that suggested that people view violence to sate their hedonistic cravings of thrill and are thus willing to go through violence and aggression to achieve it. This study's findings found that people wanted to watch violent films because it offered two things, a sense of purpose and a chance to delve into the human mind. And I will say that maybe that's where this one falls a little short for me because I don't mind, you know, I don't mind a violent movie. I don't mind an action movie, you know, with guns blazing and and everything else. This one, the the story was just not coherent enough for me to be able to sit back and say, okay, there's violence, but I get the reason for the violence. And I can I can laugh at some of these moments, even the violent moments. I can laugh at them because I know there's something a little bit deeper here that I'm trying to understand. I just watched for the first time. I watched The Purge, um, you know, a few weeks ago. I'd never seen The Purge before. That was a tough movie to watch. About the first one. The first one, yeah. That was a tough movie to watch, and it was violent. But as I'm watching that movie, I'm watching it, and I'm going okay, I'm, I'm getting the story that they're trying to get me to understand here, like the underlying issues of, you know, the racism that's in it, the, you know, society and, and good Lord, what if society were to end up like this? And, you know, right. And you, I mean, you watch things like that. You watch things like um, uh, the handmaid's tale. Uh, You know, you watch that series and you think, okay, yikes. It's like, they're showing me some stuff here. It's violent and it's, reprehensible but i'm also watching it going you know you see this kind of stuff and you think if we just took like one or two steps in the wrong direction 
would we be that far off from you know having some of these things be possible? So I, you know, I, I tend to agree with this study that says you know even when you like the violent movies, that shouldn't just be an automatic thing to say like, well, you're a terrible person because you like violent movies and you know you should never like that because people in real life get shot up with guns and it, most times I feel like, especially for me, I feel like when I'm watching a movie that's particularly violent, I'm not always. I'm not there for the sake of the violence itself. Like the mm-hmm. violence, the violence is just a vehicle to get across the story, to get across the psychology of the whole thing. Um, even when we were talking Evil Dead not that long ago, when we did that for our Patreon one, in those scenes in Evil Dead too, there are an Evil Dead when it's just the disgusting, gross-out gore of the whole thing. I'm sitting, I'm, I'm just laughing at that whole thing. <laughs> But it's not because I'm some sadistic psychopath. It's because I know just from things that I've read, other things that I've watched, like the technical skill that went into making that so gory and so gross that that's what I'm thinking of when I'm watching that. I'm like, I can't even believe like how these guys made that look so realistic or what kind of material they used to make that so gross. That's what I'm keying in on when I'm watching this stuff. It's not the, wow, I wish I could do that to someone. Yeah, and I, and I guess a lot of that's going to come up, you know, and, and I'm, I mean, I watched these, like, my dad was pretty, he watched a lot, like I said, I don't know when we saw Dirty Harry, but it, I was young when I saw Dirty Harry. Um, but I know that from a scientific standpoint, they say that there is, you know, I've, I, back when I, I think it was when I had the personal being class, we looked into, like, all the stuff with violent video games, with violent movies, with violent content, and what it does. And I think what I remember from a lot of that, too, is it also does, there is a desensitizing effect to things. Mm-hmm. There is a cathartic thing to certain things. But I've always asked myself, I would, again, categorize myself as extremely nonviolent. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a weird thing of, like, even with boxing, where people are like, well, you're hitting this other person. But it's like, I wasn't hitting this person out of anger. You know, it was a competition. It was a test of will and conditioning and skill. And, and it, to me, the violent part is what turns me off to the sport is when you see that there is really a fact that you could hurt a person that you go, whoa, you know, and you back off. And I know, Pat, you've done martial arts. And, you know, I'm not sure if John's had anything like that. But some of the more nonviolent people I know were, were boxers in real life because you've mastered and kind of controlled it. You've become, you don't become obsessed by it. You know, like you say, you're not watching it for the violence sake. You're watching it for the like different. There's just it's a, it's a sometimes a difficult thing to explain, but um, for me, I know that like boxing has saved many people's lives, and it's a weird oxymoron to sort of say that, but the truth is it has. There are kids who had been in prison or dead or in gangs, who's that was the only hook for them. Unfortunately, in society, that was the only hook that got them off the streets and got them on a path of discipline and respect for an opponent, respect for themselves, and training and conditioning. You know, and, and, and you hope that, you know, we used to say, like, you learn to box so that you don't have to fight, um, you know, kind of thing. And are there other coaches that aren't like that? Yeah, there's other people, and I'm sure there isn't anything. But I think watching even these films, I got that it wasn't, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not a violent person. But I could see how if you're a kid growing up, so coming back to those studies, if it's going to lessen the effect of that part of your brain that um, you know, maybe is, is sensitized to the violence or like you should be a little upset by it. I mean, I still, if I watch something extremely violent, 
it, I, I cringe a bit where I'm like, this is excessive violence. Like even the Saw films and some of those things and, and what was the um, Hostel, you know, where you're just almost yeah. doing it from a voyeuristic standpoint. To me, that's a big turnoff because there's no story there and what's the message. Right. Um, the Purge, I did like the first one. The rest of my feel have just more glorified the violence. Well, they still try to spin in a message once in a while. The first one at least had some value. I think the first saw had some value in the fact that it was a guy who was dying of, you know, spoiler alert, um, you know, cancer. And he was basically really like in a sadistic way, but he was putting these people who had spoiled their life or like taking their lives for granted and putting in this game of like, how much do you really want? You know, there was, there was a little bit of like some, some sort of message there that, made the violence more palpable because there was something there. But if it's just violence for violence sake, I usually don't, I, I kind of reject that pretty quickly. I don't want to just see violence and people just, you know, but if it's got something to it where you care about the characters, you realize that violence, unfortunately is a part in our society. And I think part of that also made me less afraid of those things or more prepared for those things to handle them. And if it were to occur, you know, hopefully you don't want it to happen, but like, if it does, you would hope that you would be able to handle it in a more controlled, less violent way yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cathartic, sort of a, more of a cathartic experience versus a, yeah. Yeah. But like, I literally, like we grew up on these movies, we grew up on war movies, but I really, like, I understand the seriousness of war and I understand that it's not a game. And I understand it. And we played, you know, guns and stuff around the neighborhood and ran around and did world war two stuff. And it was like, you know, pretend grenades. And, but at the same time, I'm like, I would call myself a fairly big pacifist. And the only way that I would use violence is to save someone else's life or a family member, you know, or if somebody who is a, uh, innocent person being assaulted or whatever, like I would kick into action there but I wouldn't just for the sake of violence, just pummel on somebody, you know, I just, I, I, I don't get that part, but right. I grew up on that. So how do you explain that? And why do we have more school shootings now? Is it, is it the guns? Is it, you know, cause we could say we went through some violent movies back then. Are they more, I don't know. I don't know. That's a big, big question, but. Well, it's like, I'm, I'm the odd person out of my, I'm the odd person out of my Texas family. Cause I can't stand guns and all the rest of my family. I mean, They've got, oh, yeah, they, they own guns, they shoot guns, they love them. You know, yeah. they've got I, whole collections of them and I can't stand them. Like I, I went to a shooting range with my uncle one of the last times I was in Texas and I, I was really hesitant to, you know, they, I think that they knew that I, they felt that they knew I was nervous around guns. I don't think that they knew that I really don't like them, but then they invited me while I was there. I was like, Hey, we're going to go to the shooting range. Why don't you come with us? And like in the back of my mind, I was like, I really don't want to do this. But at the same time, I feel like I need to do this once just so I can say I have fired a gun. I know what it's like. So then when I go watch these movies, then I can kind of, you know, even better, you know, as an adult, I'm I'm very I'm a very peaceful person, too. Like, I'm not going to go. I have no desire to, like, pick up a gun and get revenge on somebody or anything like that to live out what I see in these movies. But especially after going to the shooting range and firing a gun, especially the the Magnum ones, um, just the the force, it was just it was terrifying to actually fire a real gun. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, that that solidified in my mind. I was like, okay, look, there are people that enjoy guns. There are people that want to own guns. I, as far as I know, will never be one of those people. I have fired a gun. 
I understand the power that is behind this particular weapon, and that's I, that allows me to respect it even more. Um, and I want to have nothing to do with it. But at the same time, and that's where you know you get kind of the what what might seem like a contradiction. I love these movies. Like I love Lethal Weapon movies. I love Star Wars. I love Rambo. I love Terminator. I, all these other movies. I really, really enjoy these movies. So it does seem like a bit of a contradiction. It's like, well, you hate guns, but you really like these movies where there's guns blazing left and right. Uh, yeah. But I don't know if it's I enjoy the action. But I don't think I like the violence for the sake of the violence itself, like you're saying. Like, if that's all there is to it, then yeah. that's not that's not it's, it. It's like a slasher film. I don't, I don't like a slasher film because right. it's just a slasher film. You don't care about the characters. You don't care about the story. It's just somebody going around and murdering somebody and scaring people. What's the point? Right. Um, but when you have a story and you have characters you care about and there might be a uh, what you would call an evil or, or a violent villain, you know, and the good conquers the villain. It's, you know, you're pulling for that. And I think that also gives us somewhat hope and, you know, like that the good person will, will out and win, even if sometimes it relies on them being violent to do so. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like I said, I don't think it glorifies it. Now, my question with this movie would be, you know, again, getting deeper into it, like more than the movie intended to be, but did it still have a byproduct effect on young police officers growing up? who thought, wow, you could kind of abuse the badge here and you could still be funny and you could still be the good guy, yet even though you might be trampling on someone else's rights or someone else's, you know, um, just their health, you know, punching somebody in the face that doesn't necessarily deserve it or pulling a gun on a jaywalk, you know, like it's okay because Murtaugh, Murtaugh and, um, and Riggs did it and look at everybody loves them. You know, like, does that filter into that kind of, Hey, that's the type of cop I want to be. I don't know. We may be saying that, but there might be enough police officers out there who are saying like, no, we're not that stupid. Like we get what they're doing is wrong. Like I would imagine there are, but could it have influenced some, I don't know. Yeah. And then where do you draw the line and where do you stop it in your media? Like, then you go back to the video games. Does it influence? Like, I don't know. I mean, there's many kids who play video games and are totally harmless kids, you know, and then there's some that'll go up and shoot up like in Columbine. Like, like, how do we know what is and what isn't going to trigger that? Like hope, hopefully nobody went to go see the police Academy movies thinking I want to be a cop because of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think any, I, I, I would say, I think any of those movies, you know, like, uh, like they say, Top Gun, you know, yeah. was the big recruiting kind yeah. of thing for the Navy. And I, I remember seeing a, uh, this thing where they like, well, actually, no, I was talking to some sailors and they were like, yeah, like the joke is like, here's the Top Gun. Here's the reality. And it shows the Top Gun. It's like, they're flying the fighter plane. And then the reality is they're like scrubbing the deck and getting the rust off the ship. You know, like I, I would think that they're, you know, Hollywood is still Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think, I mean, I don't know. I remember people saying there was like an escapist thing. It's just fun to like escape, escape into a simple world where there's good and evil, mm -hmm. right? Like, and we can defeat the evil by some, well, because, you know, we know that it is incredibly complex to solve these, you know, societal issues that, and that has to do with a whole host of things that can't be solved, you know, and by going pedal to the metal or just jump for it or, you know, like that kind of a thing, you know, and, and so we and like that. the escapist thing where 
we like the, we like that idea of the escapist thing where, hey, for an hour and a half, for two hours, I can check out, see a story, and when I'm done, I go back to the real world, and that's that. I mean, I think that's, you know, when, when people say, and, and I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but I think that people say that with sports, you know, where they'll say, oh, we just want to see people play sports. Like, why are we doing this or having this message? And, you know, people that complain about that. Again, I am not, I'm not weighing in either. So I've got my own opinions on that whole thing. And, uh, but I mean, you know, I think that's what people are saying. I just want to sit down and watch the game and not be reminded of the outside world. And again, like this, you're have a, a movie that's very violent and yeah, there's some very entertaining parts in it, but you got to be careful because when you look at it with society as a whole, is that what we want to be turning a blind eye to, you know? And I don't think you can, you know, I'm not going to necessarily judge the movie one way or the other, but you just have to break it down and analyze it. How is this fitting in? How is this fitting in with my worldview? Yeah. And realizing there might be other people out there that this doesn't fit in very positively with their worldview and, you know, and to have an open mind to hear what they have to say about it, you know? No, I'm not. I'm just not going to listen. Forget it. I don't want to hear what you have to say. No, I don't want to hear what, what's, you well, know. The reality like, is everybody, you know, because people are so complex and different and depending on the age, depending on the upbringing, depending on your parents, depending on your values, your religious perspectives, all those things, violence and everything else is going to affect you differently. Sometimes you could watch violence, like I think, you know, you could watch violent acts and be more turned off about violence than ever. You know, like, like abort even more. It's like, you know, it's like sometimes drinking is like, how do you explain it? Sometimes a kid grows up in an alcoholic family and the last thing he wants to do is have a drink because he saw everything that alcohol did to his family. And then the other kid, the same brother, grew up in the same environment, is going to be an alcoholic and follow the footsteps of the, of the, the drunk dad or the drunk mom. Like, how do you explain why one does the other and how the, like one had an anti-effect and the other one had a repeat effect? What are the factors that cause that? So, you know, I mean, we're getting all very obviously deeper than this movie he was willing to get, but at the same time, I mean, it does in today's day and age raise some of those questions. What is the responsibility of film? How does it affect society? Does, is it a mirror? Does it, did it reflect the values of the time or did it mm-hmm. shape the values of the future? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, and I, and I, I do, I do want to just, I do just, just point out, we did get super deep on lethal, lethal weapon three. This was the, well, you can put that in the, you could put that in the notes, like mm-hmm. fun discussion, deep discussion, right? Mm-hmm. So people and can. This part of the discussion wasn't fun. Maybe that's why they didn't do it. <laughs> they didn't go deep in the movie. Well, yeah. maybe yeah. they didn't want people to hear that. Maybe things were so heavy back then that they didn't want, you know, they, they had to touch it, but they didn't want to dwell on it. I don't know. And then have the, all the audiences just go, Oh, come on. Yeah. Come on. Why are you putting this in there? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that could be a thing. And I agree with what you're saying. I think the perspective, a lot of film that came out then was that whole seventies, eighties. I remember, um, Charles Bronson and the, uh, the, the, what do you call it? Movies, the, um, death wish, death wish movies. I mean, like you're, you were rooting for, you know, for that guy, because it was, he was killing, he was getting rid of bad people, you know, is what you saw as growing up. Like, you know, sometimes what was the most scary thing was the crime and the killers and those people who have no respect for life. So, you know, is that, oh, if we can eliminate them, you know, we all sleep better at night and you're seeing a guy do that for you. 
Does it make people feel better? I don't know. But at the same time, you can look at it and say, you know, what if he's wrong and he has the wrong person? Yeah. And it's going on killing people, you know, and then you run into those things and you can look at the whole, you know, whole thing with the Kenosha thing. And, you know, there's things are more complex. And I don't know if in an hour and a half you can always tackle all those and solve them and make everybody happy. So sometimes I think it's safer to not dive into them for movies like this and just yeah. let it be an amusement park ride. And like I said, you know, growing up, like that would just be the phrase is, you know, someone would say someone would be like, dude, I think you've seen too many movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that, you know. All right. Well, we have, we've tried several times to jump ahead and rank the movies. So let's get on into three questions and we'll actually get to rank the movies. He asks each traveler five questions, three questions, three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. Question number one. Uh, rank the Lethal Weapon movies. Uh, two, one, four, three. And probably just because, I, I mean, I really like the first one, um, but probably just because, Pat, like you said, two was my gateway into the franchise. So that one, to me, I mean, it's got some of my favorite. It's where I learned what Cougarans were. Um, you know, it's, uh, one of my favorite quotes that I use for completely unrelated things. It's just been revoked. Um, you know, comes from that one. I, that's where I learned what diplomatic immunity was. I feel like I learned a lot from lethal weapon too. And it had a great villain. Mm -hmm. So that's mine. Mine would be two, one being a very, very close second place four and then three. What do you got, Dennis? You you kind of mentioned yours a little bit earlier, Dennis. What do you what were you saying? Yeah, my bounced around. My definite one is two. So okay. my number one is two for sure. That's like I think a clear winner. And then I get a little murky because there's things about each of those other ones that I like that are like wow, and, you know. And sometimes I want to throw them together so that they make one good number, you know, number two. But like you have certain characters that might be in, you know, like like you know, yeah. it, it just I I'm gonna go with. Two, just having the conversation now and exploring three a little bit more. I'm going to go two, one. I think almost what you did, didn't you do two, one, four, three? Yeah. But four and three are close to me in some ways. I think they're relatively close. Okay. Yeah. Almost a tie. But I'll go two. I'm going to bump one ahead of, ahead of three. Coming into this, I, I was almost two, three, but. And when I think about it, part of my ranking, and I, I go back to what Gene Siskel said about action movies sometimes being based off the strength of their villain. And for me, I, that's actually kind of how I rank how I rank those others, uh, how I rank the movies, because I always think of two as having the most memorable villain of the Lethal Weapon movies with the, the South Africans. Um, and then one with Mr. Joshua, Gary Busey, um, and the general 
that was kind of his boss. And then three, what was the, was it Uncle Benny? Was what the name of the the guy that was kind of in charge of the, was it the triads? Um, mm-hmm. But at least I remember them. And then before I even sat down to watch Lethal Weapon 3 within the last week and a half, I kept thinking, I don't remember who the villain of Lethal Weapon 3 is. Yeah. And that's probably why, you know, other things we've talked about, but that's probably why for these movies, I think, even though I love all of them, I enjoy all of them, um, that's why this one probably gets ranked last. Because just off the top of my head, I was like, yeah, no, the South Africans, there was Mr. Joshua in the first one, there was the Triads in the fourth one, there was the, there was the, what is the third one? Yeah. And I remember just sitting there thinking that, and I was like, huh, I don't know. Yeah. As I was watching, like I said, that guy get introduced, and I didn't recognize him as the villain right away. Yeah, like it was like okay, he comes in, but then I think they're going to get him, and it's going to lead to a different villain. Yeah, you know, like how often this is like one of the henchmen, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking it'll be someone else. There's a bigger, you know, it's going to trace him back, and they're going to get and kill and almost kill this guy, but figure out that he has a connection to somebody bigger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's how much I forgot of this in terms of the villain. So I was like, so as we're talking about this, so I was like, like. I really can't put that again in front of, you know, one or maybe even four, you know, but. All right. What about you, Pat? That are great that I like. So it's just, it made it hard. But, yeah. 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 What do you got, Pat? One, two, four, three. One, two, four, three. Okay. Jet Lee, man. Yeah. I would, I mean, yeah, I, uh, uh, yeah. One, two, four, three. Yeah. And I, I don't, and again, like there's so much, uh, like the Rene Russo character is so well played and such a great character Yeah, that really, I think is the strength of the third one. I mean, all the beats are there. It's great. I just think some of the scenes are, you know, just kind of go clang just a little bit. Yeah. Agreed. And I don't, I don't know. I, I was just going to say, I don't know if they have those same ones in one and two, if they go clang quite as much. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's the violence, but I think like in, in one and two, it's like you're fighting this organized bad guy group, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Spectre, Cobra, some big organization that, you know, uh, 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 you know, we got to take down. So it's like the good guys versus the bad guys. You know, it's easy to fall into a little bit more of the, the Star Wars thing where it's the stormtroopers all have helmets. I, do you, you get where I'm going with that? Like, yep. and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's some things that, um, so yeah. And yeah. yeah, for the fourth one, yeah, man, Jet Lee. All right. Uh, question number two, if you were going to become a vigilante, what would be your lethal weapon of choice? Lightsaber. That's a good one. I could do that one too. I have lightsaber. I, I actually have a different one, but I could go with that one as well. What do you got, John? What do you got? I've got, I'm, I'm actually going to drop it in the chat here if you want to take a look at it. Um, so Ooh. I have been trying to figure out, I did not dress up this year when I went to the comic book show. Um, but I'm trying to f- 
figure out a a nice simple costume that's not going to be too complicated, but I could still do in the future. There was a comic that I really liked when I was a kid that was called Grendel. I don't know if you guys ever read it or saw it at all. And um, it's, it's just like a real simple. He was kind of like a mercenary type character. Each of the different comics, it was like a different person and a different persona uh, kind of took on this character. Um, but one of the things, one of the original characters, it was just like a, a black suit, like black shirt, black pants. He had these long white gloves and these long white boots. And he had almost like a, his mask almost looked a little bit like Venom's face. It had like the kind of the big white almost venom-looking eyes on it. And he had this weapon that was called the Grendel Fork. And what mm-hmm. it was, it was kind of like this long long black tube, like a staff. And on one end was this like two-bladed, almost like a fork-type deal, uh, which he could then electrify if he needed to. I mean, you could stab people, but then you could also electrocute them with it too uh, when stabbing, when you absolutely positively must kill every last person in the room. Uh, <laughs> you stab them and then electrify them. And then the other end of his fork, like the back end of it, what would have been like the, the you know, the base of it, uh, he could shoot out like a grappling hook or other stuff so he could, you know, swing around or do whatever he needed to do. So it was kind of an all-purpose, you know, the blades would collapse in. So if he wanted to use it as like a walking stick um, or something like that or just, you know, carry it around as like a staff, then it would. But the moment he needed it, blades come out, he's ready to go, so... That would be if I was going to be a vigilante and I needed a quote-unquote lethal weapon to use while fighting crime, I would use that one. Yeah. Hmm. And that's a, that's a, well, I guess it's a, that's a fantasy weapon. Because mm-hmm. I was trying to, I was going to ask you when you asked those questions too, like I said, the first one that came to mind was, uh, it was the, the lightsaber, but mm-hmm. then if I thought in real life and real terms, like what do I think, you know? But then it's kind of like, what do you think are the cool weapons? <laughs> right. And it's not a gun. It would either be my my next two and that were based in reality or real life um, would have been either a um, like a samurai sword or a um, a compound bow. All right. Well, you do go with the lightsaber. That's for a more civilized. Yeah, lightsaber would be the yeah. yeah. It's an elegant weapon. Yes, that's a, it's also a defensive weapon too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah Patrick, yeah. what what are you arming yourself with? I might have taken a long look at the question, John. <laughs> I was going to say I was going to say uh, uh, superior superior strategy and tactics. All right, that works. I would say like what's what's our you know what are we trying to accomplish? Right, mm-hmm. like are we. Are we trying to take down a rival vigilante group? Are we trying to, you know, fight off an invasion? Are we trying to invade? Are we trying to take a base? Are we trying to win the hearts and minds of people? You know what I'm saying? You know, so like that, I, I guess that would be, and maybe I went too serious. Like, you know, maybe I should have said like the sword from, you know, but uh, yeah, See, I, I think that's I, I the thought first your, thing. I thought your answer was going to be. My hands. I was gonna my say hands. it's not my weapon <laughs> choice. I'm changing to that's hands. Uh-huh. <laughs> my, my answer was gonna be Rene Russo. Um, no, I. Um, Pat's, I think, Pat's uh, answer was gonna be, I'm not trapped in here with you. Yeah, <laughs> You're trapped in yeah. here with me. <laughs> Adamantium claws. There you go. Um, oh. But uh, no, but I think like that's the first thing is like you know what are we trying to accomplish? What can we accomplish? What's going to allow us to accomplish that? Right? Mm-hmm. You know. Are we going to win this thing in one like epic battle, a la Endgame, 
or are we going to have to like, is this going to be long protracted and we're just going to try to wear whoever down? So I think you throw that out and you pick a actual real world weapon and read it differently. Now, what would it be? So, okay. So like throw out. Okay. So, so, so someone else is in charge and handling the strategy and tactics. Yeah. Yeah, So, so what Dennis, what Dennis is saying is that your original answer of a rousing speech is lame. So what would you do as an actual? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, first of all, before we go with that, like I direct you to the movie Patton, watch the first five minutes of that and then tell me, tell me that you think, you know, Oh, I will. I'll, I'll see your Patton and I'll raise you the middle of independence day. I'm not (laughs) I don't know that that's a raise, John. We might want to make sure that we're playing the same game. I um uh well and I mean I'm was not Patton, saying like that was was Patton fighting aliens? I, what was that? Was Patton fighting aliens? Okay, well I got you. I got was, you was there. Was the entire world in danger? I, well, that might be you know human, the, human existence, the survival of humankind. It's not just an American holiday anymore, Pat. I it's it's it, our <laughs> Independence Day. Uh-huh. Um. Okay, I'm sorry. Go, well, go, and I'm not saying that I have, I'm not saying that I have, you know, like maybe I need Hannibal, not Hannibal Smith. Well, maybe I need Hannibal Smith, you know, like get that guy on your side. Okay, so you want like an actual physical weapon. If, yeah. you, if you want. What do you like? Is it a general purpose, like in case something comes up? Or is it like, what's, what am I? Someone's harming a, a neighbor, a friend. Someone's harming you, a friend. You, have to, you, you pick. You have to pick something up to stop them. A child is in danger, and you're Batman. <laughs> well, if I'm Batman, no guns, yeah. right? And uh, neither of us picked. Yeah. So, us. and it's funny. It's funny when you said that. Like my first thought was, I'm looking around the room. I'm like, okay, what do I got? Okay, I got a water bottle, bludgeoning weapon. Okay, I've got like uh, you know. So picking something wise. up. Pardon me. One of the wise men. One of the well, yeah. One of the wise men that could go. <laughs> lamp over the head there's a bunch of cables over there so we could have a you know candlestick i got got three wise guys over here i can use yeah i got three wise guys you know what i mean uh no i i would say yeah like the wolverine adamantium claws would be pretty good you know what i'm saying or 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 the you know uh the, the the skeleton but that would have to come with the healing factor do i get the healing factor or is that kind of outside the bounds yeah whatever you want in, we, in, like in for a penny, in for a pound. You you take the whole thing. Lightsaber, so yeah, you can have that. Yeah. An Aston Martin DB5, equipped with machine guns and the lights, smoke, okay. grappling hooks, you know, all that okay. kind of stuff. I think that would be okay. A vehicle, the tumbler mm-hmm. from from Batman. Like if my neighbor had problems, I just want to be able to like drive through my wall in through his wall mm-hmm. over the person that you know. So driving. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared for the question. I feel like, uh, you know, lightsaber would be cool. The Millennium Falcon would be cool. All right. Well, on a more serious note. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I dropped the ball. I was thinking, you know. That's all right. On a more serious note, and speaking of wise guys, eh? Uh, Number three, who's your favorite member of the Three Stooges? I hate this question. <laughs> what? Just for the record. Why do you hate this question? It's Sophie's choice. Oh. I'm, for me, it's easy. 
I'm curly. You're going to go curly. I'm going to go curly. Yep. Yeah. I plead the fifth on this one, man. <laughs> I feel like any answer I give is going to be a betrayal of the other ones. Now, many people will say, we'll throw out Shemp because everybody hated it. Like a lot of people didn't like Shemp. But see, I know the story mm-hmm. and I know the behind the scenes of what happened. And I have a, ref- a newfound appreciation of Shemp. So. I, I actually like I actually like Shemp. Shemp filled in when Sir, when Curly had the stroke. Yeah, that's when Shemp agreed to fill in. So if you think about it, it's like, do you just end the Three Stooges, or does Shemp keep that going until his brother gets well and he fills in again? Because he originally started. He originally was the one of the original right. one. Right. I know that, and then he got into a fault with um, uh, Healy, Ted Healy, and then eventually came back. You know, because of Curly having a stroke and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. I don't hate Shemp. Mo is amazing. Curly's, I mean, I just, there's, I just, all four, I think. The only, I could tell you I don't like Curly Joe. That was, yeah, see, that, I mean, that's the one that I, that's, that's when we favorite. were like, man, I don't watch it. I see Curly Joe, I just skip past it. Yeah. I, I tried it, I couldn't, it's just not the same. Yeah. Because he's trying to be Curly. Shemp never tried to be Curly. Yeah. Shemp was Shemp, and it's different, and it's like, all four of them, I think, are excellent and complement each other. That it's really hard for me to just pull out and say I have a favorite. It really is. Like I, we loved the Three Stooges growing up, so I still love the Three Stooges. But I, I can't. I, I really can't answer this question without feeling betrayal of one of them. I'm going to just say yes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but I see where Curly's a fan favorite. Yeah. Man, Larry's got some good lines too. Can't see, you can't see. Why not? I got my eyes closed. <laughs> hey now. And who some- was how did okay, so here's here's a question. Um because there was because see, I I know in my mind there was Curly Joe. Mm-hmm. But I think as a kid, I'm mixing up the two different Joes that came after Shemp. There's Joe Dorita. There was Joe Dorita and Joe Besser. Yes. And what name did Joe Besser go by? He didn't call himself Curly Joe, did he? Did they ever? Did they ever give him a name other than? I think he did go by Curly Joe Besser. Did he go by Curly Joe? Okay. I'm gonna say he did. I let me see if I can. That one. He was kind of more whiny, though. He, yeah, he I, I really didn't like him. No, I didn't like either of those. Yeah, those were the worst, too. He was like a whiny, like, eh, like, um, yeah. Did he go by, maybe he didn't go by Curly Joe. I yeah, I was, he, I was trying to find if he had, like, what his stage name was with the Stooges. I think it just was, it's weird, Joe Buster. Hmm. Okay. It's like Besser. Let's see. Refrain from imitating. Uh, Ambling Costello. Right. Well, yeah. If any know, of but, if any of our listeners know this one, yeah, because I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember what if he was given a particular name or. Yeah. No. My my favorite was always was always the original Curly. What about you, Pat? 
I don't have any easy answers for this. I watched the Three Stooges, but not a lot. Um, maybe I'll say Larry. Okay. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know if any of them match my personality, but I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Larry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's tough because those three just the four, the three and the four all worked so well together. I mean, it yeah. just yeah. Yeah, it's one of those ones where you take out, you know, that's why I think that the renewed love of like, if you would have asked me earlier on when we were first watching him, I will tell you that I was not a fan of Shemp, but I wasn't giving Shemp a chance because mm-hmm. Shemp was the guy who replaced Curly. Right. That's how I saw it. Like he took Curly's job. I hate Shemp because mm-hmm. Curly was so great, you know. Yeah. Um, and then when you realize that they were brothers and it was like they're originally and then you, you hear the backstory, you're like. All right, I'm going to give Shemp a chance. And once I give Shemp a chance, I'm like, oh my God, this stuff's funny. Yeah. You know, but it was like I already had it in for him just because he replaced Curly. And mm-hmm. and that's, and I didn't know why he replaced Curly at the time because we were just a kid watching the shows. And, you know, and then once you realize it, it's like, man, it's a cool story. Yeah. I always remember, um, you know, with, uh, with, with Mo, just like the glue kind of seemed to be the glue in some ways to hold that all together and make it work too. But, um, lived the longest. And I remember he was at something and he said one of his best moments was when somebody was doing an interview, he was at a college or something. And they asked, uh, if he could be, if the kid, somebody, whoever it was, wanted to be hit in the face with a pie by him. <laughs> so you got to hit in the face with a pie. And that was like the honor. I got hit in the face with a pie by, by, um, by Mo Howard. By Mo Howard. Yeah. <laughs> Hoy Poloi is one of my favorites. So if I, I don't know which of your favorite, but that's more they learn to be up the the upscale society, mm-hmm. and they're going through dance lessons and etiquette and everything. <laughs> yeah, and it ends with a pie fight at the end. So it's mm-hmm. a good one. I I always liked as a kid. I think one of my favorites was a plumbing. We will go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was that one. There was the um, the golf course one is good too. Which one? The holes are getting smaller because he's taking it out of the grass. There and was he, the uh, disorder in the court. One of the few things I've ever heard because I've heard the the phrase growing up of "so is your old man," and it, and it wasn't until the the golf episode where I actually heard it on an actual show. <laughs> the, the groundskeeper comes out yelling at Mo, and Mo's like probably walking down after he just dug all these holes out because he keeps hitting it. And then the guy says something to him in like a language, like a guy's an accent, and he just turns back and goes, ah, so is your old man. <laughs> <laughs> and then also appreciating that they um, they did their stunts and they got hurt and injured and Mo got broken ribs and still finished scenes and mm-hmm. really had a, a bad foot for a long time and, mm-hmm. and he was in pain a lot. Um he also like shaving his head. He was actually supposedly one of the more handsome of the the brothers, but he had to play the stooge, you know, and 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 for the sake of it, it's just a, it's a really good dynamic and group, you know, like story. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our first episode of 1992, Lethal Weapon Three. Um, let's see, what do we got coming up here next? We've got, uh, well, for this month is our Crime and Punishment Month. We've got our Patreon episode will be To Kill a Mockingbird from 1962. And then for the rest of this month, we've got Hoffa, My Cousin Vinny, and Passenger 57. 
And then next month is our Women in Film Month, and our Patreon episode is Favorite Movies with Female Leads. And then for the rest of that month, we've got, in our regular episodes, A League of Their Own, Basic Instinct, Single White Female, Jennifer 8, and Sister Act. So we got a lot of good stuff coming up here right here at the beginning of 1992 for you. Um, if you want to check out our website, 30podcast.com, we are at 30 Podcast on the social medias. And then uh, don't forget to go check out the other shows in the Scene Stealers Podcast Network by heading over to scenestealersglobal.com and reach out to them if you want to uh, get one of their celebrities that's on their list to come to your Comic-Con or event. Um, but yeah, you go check out our stuff at 30podcast.com. Uh, as always, thank you, Dennis, and thank you, Pat. Thank you, John. This was fun. Dennis, great seeing you. Yep. Getting getting super deep on a movie that's probably not really super deep, but you know what? It's We like to start the year off with a bang. So, All I right. see what you did there. You see what I did there? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm not going to do it again. All right, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. We'll see you back here next time. Bye.